Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello, Michael. Hello, Mark. We're away. Hope you've got uh, your equipment set up correctly. We're just having a quick conversation before we started this recording about the technology behind doing podcasts. Um, I hear you've you've been doing a bit of research yourself about recording. Recording, yeah. I'm building my own proper home studio with uh, three angles because you need to have different things. And then I did a lot of research into um, how to do all of this. And and because it can actually give you a lot of leverage, we talked a lot about that, and give you speed. And then, of course, uh, the one thing we need to make sure of is that the sound quality, the image quality has a certain standard. Otherwise, we basically annoy. So when I listen to podcasts and I hear this crack or this loud voice i really just switch it off for instance i just go nervous no you're right i um we had some good feedback actually um one person in particular who spent quite a bit of time giving feedback on a number of the different podcasts some of the early podcasts that we've recorded um and that was quite useful so it it's always good to to get you know, really honest feedback. They were t- talking about the things that they liked, things that they didn't like. One of the things that they were saying, he was saying that find a bit irritating was where they could hear we were having, we were picking up perhaps email coming in. You could hear that little ping. And probably when we're talking and we, you know, we're concentrating, we're not hearing it. But for somebody listening in on the conversation, that can become a bit irritating. Yeah. So, and- it's, it's it's funny because when I do training on how to give like perfect demos and I do a lot of that in software world, the one thing I always say is that it is so extremely annoying when there's like Slack and Skype and all these messages popping up in your demo. You have to get rid of all distraction. And yet here we are doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's just, you have to go back to basics, don't you? And you have to remember to, to walk your talk. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen some embarrassing demonstrations over the years with people having messages popping up as they're doing a demo and they're not the sort of messages they want other people to see. No, um, of course, of course. So what have you been up to? Well, if we're going to be honest, the last few weeks for me have not been great because I've had two bereavements in my family uh, and that's probably not the positive message that you would typically want to uh, put across on a podcast. But I said, I think one of the things we try to be on this is very, very honest. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's part of life. So I, my mother died and then my younger brother died very soon afterwards, which was quite a shock to me and the family. Really sorry to hear. So um, thank you. I fall back. I left you alone. I thought he needs some time. Uh, that's really, really tough to do. So. Yeah, but it's it is it is part of life, and and it's it's one of the things that um, everyone has to deal with. And if you're running a business, you have to deal with it at the same time. So it came um, at a time when you know you'd been away on holiday, and we I did mm-hmm. the interview with David Key, and the the topic was about stress. Um, so it, it seemed. Uh, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. quite strange timing in that respect. I thought, I thought actually, the David Key. I know you haven't listened to it yet. 
Um, I thought it was it was a good interview. That's the first time that we've we've had anyone to interview on this podcast. So again, a little bit of an experiment, um, but I thought I thought it went quite well. You know, it it felt quite relaxed to me, and that's that was the important thing. It was a natural conversation. We didn't have a, a script. We did exactly the, as as what we do. You know, we mm-hmm. just get talking and and see where the conversation goes. And mm-hmm. it could definitely have gone on longer. And I think at some stage it might be worth doing a follow-up podcast or maybe doing a video and maybe you have a chat with him. I think it could yep. be quite good because he's got a lot to say on the, on the subject. Cool. So while you were doing that, I actually spent, I had some holiday and I did spend last week a lot with uh, larger scale-ups. And one of the things I wanted to talk with you, with your experience is a blend between leadership and and how people behave, running teams, how to be effective, uh, that whole topic. And I see that coming back and back and back again. Yes. Yeah, really important. Yeah. So let let me start off and let's see where we end. So the first thing, something I see coming back a lot and some of that, it's it's, you have a really, I'm going to talk sales. You have a really good sales guy, the best sales guy, and they make him the manager. And then he becomes a director or the VP of sales. And then after a while, you realize that he keeps on selling, he keeps on making the numbers, but it's because of him, it's not because of the team. So he's not actually leading or managing the team. He's basically constructing the team around him doing sales. Yes. I see that a lot. And that is when you hit a certain scale. uh, I was in a company and there are about uh, six, seven salespeople. When you start hitting those kind of volumes and suddenly inside sales comes, there is way too much. You cannot do this anymore. And they start hitting walls everywhere. That's when I come in and, and we have to say not nice things and say, look, you're a fantastic sales guy, but you have to be the sales guy. You're not running the team. Yes, I've seen examples over the years of some really fantastic salespeople in the software sector. And they've been given the promotion because they are great salespeople. And they've made great lousy managers uh, mm-hmm. initially some have some have learned you know some have have been very honest with themselves and i suppose they've sort of stepped back and, and maybe they've brought in a mentor um, mm-hmm. and they've managed to make that change but it's not been easy for them i suppose it goes back to um um the peter principle i think it was exactly. described as isn't it exactly. you, know, you get exactly. promoted to your level of incompetence you keep getting promoted until you find that you failed being a salesman is is different from being a, a sales leader, um, but I, you know, I think it's no. there are similar. If you know, if we talk about leadership within a software company, what makes for a good leader? Because it is really important. It really does steer the success of a, an organization. Um, I had one of the the more uh, like um, she's like the female entrepreneur of the year in Belgium. And I had a chat with her and she said to me, Michael, the biggest mistake you can make is to be too busy operationally yourself. So that's like number one for leadership is not only people need to follow you and all of that. It's just make sure you trust the people and let them do their work. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that's, that is a really big one. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And mm-hmm. I, see, I see that a lot. And I think with all of these points, I think they're easy to say they're hard to do because typically the people, <laughs> exactly. yeah, the, the, the people that start a business, you very rarely see people that um, 
are entrepreneurs, self-motivated, that are also lazy. <laughs> they tend to be hard workers. And the, quite often, and I've, I've heard this a lot, is, you know, when I wasn't being successful, I just worked harder. And I, and I think that there's a lot to be mm -hmm. said for that, but there's a, there is a limit to it. And I think that sometimes you need to be able to, to step back. You need to hire the best people that you can. I mean, in their particular roles, you need to find people that are better than you. Mm -hmm. and, then exactly. and then trust them. Get out of their way. Yeah, I, exactly. I do see that more, I think, um, perhaps nowadays, because there's a, there's a newer generation of people coming into business, whereas in the past, it's it's not... There's been the, the you know traditionally there's been much more of a hierarchical structure. Um, yeah, true, true, true. More true. of a dictator type, you know, in some organisations, and I, I think fashions change and. What you also see on change. that trend is that a lot of freelancers. So a lot of these younger companies, they are they ha they are they are not like a classic organisation. They have lots of freelancers around. The thing yes. about freelancers, of course, is that they have ownership. Meaning that if you give them a, a task, they will they wouldn't want to get their money, so they, they will act differently to that. Yes. And and I think ownership, uh, so coming back to the company I was in, so there is a leadership problem. Um, and then when I talked to the people, individually, all of them, they all were like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And and then I talked to the executive management and they tell me, we've told them a hundred times. And then I said, okay, it's, I get it. We've told it to him. But the truth is that your team doesn't know it. Yes. So, and I think it's because you decapitated them. You should give them like a mission or you should give them like a real ownership. So the thing I put in place in this case is I, I took, I made all little teams. I combined sales with inside sales and marketing and I made teams because you want to combine some people. And then I said, Next week, you're going to show me where are you going, what's the segment, what's the profile, what's the problem you're addressing, what is the timeline. Three slides. Don't spend three days on it. Do it quickly. Don't worry too much about it because I want you to get going and I want you to own. You ask me responsibility. You ask me ownership. I'm going to give it to you. Yes. And then you see the fear. And then half an hour later, I've never seen a team so motivated. They were just buzzing and running around and sending me stuff and asking me. And I'm like... If we can then get them to action, that would be the ideal. So let's let's see. Let's talk about it next week. Eh? <laughs> yes, I mean, are you are you talking about management by objectives? So you, you you're getting a team and you're saying yeah. clarifying so, for them that's your objective. Go get it done. Not, yeah. So so what something you be doing. Some, yeah something leaders do by the way is you see that in a lot of politicians you find either the vision the mission, or if you do not have that or it's not clear, you need to find a common enemy. And, yes. and, and rally against that. So I all gave them a course, but I, I, I split it in two, three teams because I want them to have some competition amongst themselves, right? Uh, very salesy, I know, but that's sales team. But I really gave them a course. And, and uh, because I, the, the funny part was they don't have a common enemy. They are like almost, there is not a lot of competition in their market. Mm. So which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because I told them, I said, guys, you have no competition. You should go 10 times faster. You need to eat the market while there is nobody or not enough people to fight you. Mm. Yeah, I think I think also that comes down to the, the company having an identity and creating True. True. creating the right culture within yeah. an organization. 
Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. we've seen recently over the last few weeks, we've seen the World Cup. And, and that <laughs> from a British perspective or English perspective, I should say, um, seeing a nation that really didn't have any confidence in their team. In previous years, they've had too much confidence and mm -hmm. probably to some extent there was justification because they did have some previous generations, some very talented teams. But the difference here was the leader and they, you know, they got to the semi-finals, which was above expectations with a very young team. But probably the, the one individual that I think didn't get any criticism was the manager, Gareth Southgate, because he was a good leader. He was, he never got too excited. He never got too down with the players. He set expectations correctly. He kept them focused and he kept a good team spirit. That seemed to be the thing. And it was quite interesting to see some of the older generations of footballers who previously hadn't said so very much, well, not that I was aware, about their experiences. And they were saying, actually, we can see that there is a really good team spirit. Whereas in our day, all of the Arsenal players kept together and the Chelsea players kept together. And we were all the part of England, but we didn't mix very much. And they realised that that was a weakness. And, and you, you do see that. It's, you know, I think that there are lots of um, lessons that we can learn from sport. Sport is a very good learning ground for business. I've, I've always believed that because it's, it's very easily measurable. Mm -hmm. in, in, in the sports that I've done, I used to do triathlon, you know, your cycling. How is your cycling doing to last year? Well, I know exactly because I I did that same course at the same time of the year, and this year I'm 30 seconds faster. I'm fitter, or I'm a minute down. I've got to work much harder on, on my cycling, on my swimming's down. It is very very measurable, and I think a lot of businesses they don't have that, but they could. You know, this is where we're always talking to our clients about making sure that you find the key performance indicators. Yeah. Because that gives you feedback, that gives information to the leadership. And but, chop it in pieces. Don't yeah. look at the full end result. I want to have this in between no. steps because it's too far otherwise. No, you've got to look for those early indicators. Yeah, yeah. So in this team, I said to the board, because I had a board meeting after the, the day, and I said, guys, you'll have to trust me because you have a massive inbound inflow lead generation issue. Because uh, it's just it's just not enough. So I'm going to focus the whole team for four weeks only on that. So if revenues drop and everything, I'm really sorry, but we need to fix that first. <laughs> I can tell you. It was a tough discussion. So let's... <laughs> 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 you know how boards are. So, uh, But, but yeah. they need to fix it. If they can't fix it all and, and, and they'll see the effect. Huh? The effect is going to last. If they don't fix it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really really bad um, so, so from a perspective of leadership mm -hmm. what what was it that was missing there what what do they what did they need from their leader they needed a cause to fight for and okay. to, to that's one and two they needed ownership they needed to really feel that they it was their responsibility because it was okay if they would came in late and leave early and and, and they were like, why should I do it? Right? Whatever I do, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's yeah. only okay when you do certain behavior and it's okay. You, we, we will really push you if, if you, if you, if you succeed. I mean, everybody wants to be in a successful team and yeah. you felt the energy was drained. I mean, for instance, they did, they did meetings, sales meetings, and it was like a round table. 
hey, how are you feeling? Everything fine? How's the forecast? It's bad? Oh, okay, okay. Next week better. I'm like, dude, are you, are you seriously? That's, that's a round table. That is not a sales meeting. So what I'm doing, for instance, on a sales meeting is not beating everybody that doesn't work. I'll give an overview and then I'll make it a learning moment because I only want people to talk about relevant things for the others. Because if that's not relevant, you shouldn't talk about it. You should stop the meeting after half an hour. And I'll have the individual talks about real deep down numbers and what are you doing on this case. I mean, I've sat in so many meetings, Mark, where they would talk an hour on one of the big cases. And I mean, it just had no relevancy for me. Yes. Yeah. And you turn off. Yeah, I might be too tactical here. I'm really explaining what I'm doing there. But, I mean, I always I see that a lot of sales meetings, numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. I understand you as a manager, you want to talk about numbers. But if the team as a whole gets way better, the numbers will be 10 times better eventually. So what typically do you think that, that sales meetings should be discussing? What's going to be... So the way I want to do it is... Yeah, so for me, it always starts with, where are we? So sales manager, whoever is in charge, this is where we are. That's the status. And then you say, okay, the top three deals uh, that we're going to, the top three deals that we want to win this week, I mean, depends how much you do it, let's say this week, yeah. are those. Um, and then I do, a, I, 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 everybody has, has to explain what their focus is and what are the issues they experienced where others could help. Sometimes I would even uh, play out uh, cold calls I've recorded or I would do two, three, let people do two, three slides. I want them to talk about what they struggle with so the others can come up with ideas. You see, that's a real learning type of meeting. So is, then, it, is it also yeah. a brainstorming session? You're, are you encouraging people? To sometimes. Some, sometimes. I, I like the creative. The problem is if, it, if you go too creative, you lose all structure. Yes. So I'll, I'll always focus. Yeah, I'll focus the creative when it's needed, when they're stuck on a deal. What are all the options we can do? So instead of me going through all the deals, explain it each time again. I'll take one and I'll say, okay, let's let's go through. These are all the options because my my role as a leader is one, aim the gun, make them focus on one singular thing, two, set the priorities, and three is actually making them better in what they do on a large scale. So let's say this coaching, but as a team. And then if the others have all the ideas, I mean, most of the time there's like this really senior guy that knows more than all the rest, but he keeps quiet or he's talking all the time about his own stuff. So I'll, I'll leverage these people to teach the younger ones. Yes. And then I actually, so I keep it short. I end the meeting always with, okay, guys, these are all your top trees. These are mine. So it's very transparent. And then I end uh, with some, some uh, I, I end with the mission. I, I have like always one slide. I keep repeating, uh, let's say something. I was at uh, Story Me. I would say, guys, don't forget, we are here to win with video or make our customers win with video. So I'll keep banging on that one thing. So it's very clear. I keep it short. If I can do it in 20 minutes, I do it in 20 minutes. If I can do it in 50 minutes, I'm doing it. I never do two, three-hour meetings. And yeah. then I always do individual parts. Where I'll say you, 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 you every half an hour because that has most impact. So what classic sales meetings do wrong is a forecast every week. That's just not going to happen unless you have a business where you have weekly deals coming in. And we know market software, that's rare. Yeah, sure. Uh, you don't need to agree, eh? but I've no. seen no, no, I've no, been in too that. many bad meetings, too many classic meetings. I've seen the other way actually works better in the long run. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think also the dynamics within any meeting, I'm not just talking about a sales meeting here. I, I find it quite interesting that to have the opportunity to be able to sit back on a meeting and you will see that there will always be some people that are contributing a lot and probably others that are hardly contributing at all. Yeah. And and to yeah. try and get a balance, I think, can can create quite a positive uh, yeah. meeting. Because there are going to be people there for one reason or another, and, and it can be quite varied. Maybe you don't need to find out why, but in, they tend to get into the habit of just sitting back and they're really just looking at their watch to the end of the meeting. Yeah. Um, uh, That's why I keep them short, by the way. Yeah. Because they're just, just, I mean, you know, uh, if Ben is going to start talking, we're off for 20 minutes for irrelevant stuff. So that's the one thing I, I, I mean, don't forget, you and I, we stand a lot on stage. So we are looking at a crowd. We are, we can read crowds. We switch yeah. our stories. But as a sales leader or a marketing leader, it doesn't matter. As a leader, you need to do the same thing. If you see your crowd is switching off, you need to stop it. Yes. Yes, no, you're right. I, I, I've, I've experienced that, actually. And, and I remember years ago, um, I, was, I was giving a talk and presentation to a group of people, and they asked me to sit, stand at the back because I was presenting some images and some slides, and I hated it because I couldn't see the eyes of the people in the room. And I had, to, I had to change it. I had to stop it and say, actually, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to come and stand at the front and I'm going to stand to the side because I need to be looking and getting that feedback. And I think you're right. That, that's, that's really important. You need to be able to read the room. And it's the same in, the, in a meeting. You, you need to be aware of, of what's happening with all of those people within that meeting. Um, because somebody who's, who's, who's disconnecting from the meeting... Mm -hmm could cause problems later on yeah now i have to make one one uh, comment while you're talking i'm thinking about it what i just described are good sales meetings if you do that with an executive team or marketing or it needs to be different this is a very very specific sales type of approach because you have lots of divas in sales which is a bit different than if i attend a marketing meeting it's very different because they're not fighting for that attention like you would have in a classic sales team. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can find that. <laughs> you know this, you know this, there is, a, there is a joke, eh, Mark? So if you ever think about it, so sales guy comes to you and says, hey, Mark, I have a problem. And you should ask him about it. But, but is the problem fundamentally solvable in a year or in a month? And if he goes like, yes, then you don't have a problem. You just need to fix it, right? But... If the guy tells you it's not fixable, it's impossible to fix, you still don't have a problem. What you have is a situation. <laughs> yeah. I, this is such a stupid joke. And you, you would well, be thinking, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm often thinking that. I, I, actually, what I was thinking was, was a little diagram that I've got in my office which says, um, do you have a problem? And, and if it says yes, then it points to, can you do something about it? Yeah. And so if it's no. yes, then why worry? But if it says no, then why worry? Because you can't do anything about it. I yeah. thought you were going to say that. So <laughs> and that is true. Funnily, the, the joke I just told you, which is a bit of a stupid joke, I put on, the, on my YouTube channel. 
And funnily enough, it's the least watched movie on my whole channel. (laughs) Actually, if if you'd have asked me, I might have given you a hint on that one. (laughs) Just leave it on there. Sometimes you just need to have some, how do you say, fight the power. A bit of anarchy is good. (laughs) So so what, what else could we say about leadership? I mean, what? It, and I'm talking about leadership more generally. Leadership within an organisation. What, well, what do we see as being, uh, uh, the, you know, the qualities we've said about, you know, hiring the best people that you can, giving them objective, giving the company yeah. a direction, then getting out of their way, and 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 have your job focused on on removing any obstacles. Listen, listen yeah. to your team. Let me ask you a question. Mm. Should leaders lead by example or not? Or is that not relevant? Well, I don't think they always can. Um, I don't think if you've got a uh, a CEO of an organization who perhaps comes from, say, comes from a a strong sales background, you you can't expect him to lead with with software development. He hasn't got that skill set. If you're talking about... Um, showing loyalty to to the company, or, or the sort of fundamental aspects of honesty, or you know, showing respect for other people, then absolutely, that's part of the culture. Um, I don't think you can expect just because he founded the business, just because he's he's been brought in as the CEO or even the chairman, that they've got skills in every area. And I think that. Um, I have seen I have seen some leaders who perhaps have felt that pressure. They've felt that they needed to do that, and and they've tried to portray themselves as such, and and <clears> and, and really failed, really badly. Worked themselves to death. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They've, they've tried really hard, and but they've just not got the skills in that area. And I think that's fine. I, you know, I think I'm sure Bill Gates has got really some really big weaknesses. Yeah. I don't think he was the best communicator when he first started his business. Good God. No, 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 no. Steve. Then he hired somebody who was, who was a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, Steve Jobs, same with him. I, there were a lot of people I don't think that particularly liked him. He, he proved to be very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not perfect individuals. So perhaps so, another aspect is is being able to have a really realistic understanding of yourself and your own strengths and weaknesses. Because if you know, for instance, I really am not good at that. Yes, you can improve, but you're never going to be of the standard your company probably needs. Bring somebody else into it. You may have somebody in your team that can do it. And and I think that also goes, goes to one of the other things that we often see, um, which is... Let me ask you a question on this one. Hey, Mark, I, I uh, sometimes get the question of uh, more, let's say, engineering types who build a software company. Yes. And then they say, yeah, but Michael, I'm not a sales guy, a classic one. Yes. But actually they are because I like the, the engineering approach to life because it gives you lots of trust and expertise and they, they go along. And then at a certain stage, there was always a, at a certain point, they, they, they come up to me with the question like, shouldn't I hire a CEO? And I've seen this going wrong so many times because they can't let go. New CEO has a different vision and they fight. So what, you must have seen this a lot. So what's your advice on that? Because that's something I find it very hard in many cases. I actually say 
don't do it because I don't think you're ready for it. And, and two, why would you? You're actually a better leader than you think. I suppose it depends on, on where their weaknesses are and what the business needs. I think that the reason that it often goes wrong is that they bring somebody in for the right reason, but they, they, are, they fail to let go. You've got to be able to let somebody come in and realize that they're not going to run the business in exactly the same way that you would, or they're going to approach it in the same way. And mm-hmm. it's very difficult for people to let go. I see that even when when we're getting to the when we're getting to that stage in the process where the sale of the business looks really very very likely. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's a sudden realization that actually, in three weeks' time, this business won't be my own. <laughs> and that's Amen. yeah. And I think that that's quite hard. So it must be difficult bringing somebody in especially to do as a CEO. I don't know personally um, of many examples where that's been successful. I'm sure that it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that there are many times when it's really needed because you're right. I think most often I've come across software engineers that are running a business um, and they tend to, I mean, the, one of the weaknesses that if you have a software engineer running the company, they tend to gravitate and put a lot of effort and a lot of expenditure in the area of software development. And yeah, if, it's less people oriented, and yeah, yeah. If it's if yeah. it's somebody with a marketing background, again, you tend to get less people with the marketing background. Um, mm-hmm. You will see that they will focus more on the marketing. At the yeah, end of the day, I I think what in the software sector, I think that the probably one of the most common things I see is that they believe that they are a software development company and actually, and you, you'll be pleased with this, they're all sales companies. They're all sales companies. I'm always, I'm always pleased, Mark. Any, anytime I mention sales. But they are, aren't they? They're, they're all sales businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it's just that they're selling, maybe they're selling you know, software and a service or maybe they're selling that with consultancy and they're going to be selling it in different sectors, but it's it's a sales business. You you've got to be able to sell it, and you know I think that the, I've come across many many companies where they would they would sit with me for weeks talking about the technicalities and the software, but they don't want to face the realities that if if they don't sell it, they haven't got a business. If they're not able no. to sell what they offer, forget it. There's some great. There's lots and lots of really good software out there that never really gets the light to see the light of day, no. because it's you know it's like a group of techies sitting in a room. Exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's that's quite that that is quite common, and um, it's also quite difficult to, to be able to make that that step, and and to look at your own business in that way. That's when you need. That's when you need an outside pair of eyes. Yeah, no, and I, and I mean, we see it. I mean, as we were pretty honest, I, I, it's it's so funny. I go to all these businesses, and I, I within, I mean, let's not exaggerate, but within an hour or a few hours, I know exactly what's wrong, how they need to fix it. I give all the advice, and then when I look inward to my own business, it's like I'm blind for it. 
it's oh. ridiculous. I know what I need to do, and I just can't get there. So sometimes I ask people and say, hit me. And they start banging. I make notes, and then I look at the notes, and I'm like, I know all of this, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It's Absolutely. crazy. We're, we get blindsided by it, and I, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I have to pull myself up sometimes in just running meetings. I can go yeah. into someone else's meeting and I can really quickly say, oh, you know, I can help you here. This is how we can do it. Putting together business plans, strategy, exit strategies, but you can be really blindsided when it comes to your own business because you get too close. Yeah, you're in the trench. So. And, yeah. and you you try to avoid probably the things you don't want to do. You all, yeah. it's always it's always the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's very intriguing. I was thinking, by the way, we're talking about leadership and be uh, the what, the reason why I asked you the question is should you act like um, like the example? Is I was thinking of Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I was thinking how how did he lead by example with that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember when I first heard the title and somebody recommended the book to me and he said, uh, oh, I've read this great book. And I said, that's ridiculous. That's just that's just a bit of marketing. He actually never, ever meant for anybody to work a four hour work week. I, I, yeah. I, but it, um, it, it, it was about being more efficient. And, and I think many of the principles that he talks about in his book, I, th- I think, you know, very, very valid. Um, making the business work for you. Um, what I like set. about uh, I was I was listening to an interview, reading that was an interview, and one of the things he said that really stuck was, he said, if you would check my day or look at my day, I actually have a really boring day. The one thing I do, the only thing I'm focused on, is thinking about that one big domino I need to push. So all the others fall, and I loved it. I'm like, that's so good. That's spot on. Yes. We never give ourselves time to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there is a book called The Domino Principle, isn't it? And there is a book for everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, By the way, yeah. Hey, while we're doing, uh, while we're getting into this, I, I had this most amazing uh, productivity tip tip from uh, somebody. Uh, I, I was telling him because I'm writing, I'm writing a book and I'm doing all of this, and I'm like, man, it's it just getting in the zone and then sitting down and typing and correcting just takes too long. And he said, why, why, why don't you do it differently? You're driving the car a lot. Yes. He said, you're used to explaining stuff with your videos and all that. I'm, yeah. So you could actually just dictate all your book. And I'm like, yes, I hear where you're going. So he gave me an app where you basically just dictate. And when you press done, it sends you the, the, the transcription of what you just said back. Ah, that's interesting. And, and, and yeah. basically then you, the thing is, once you open it, you get to editing mode and you structure it. Do you remember what it was and called? You, it's called rev.com. So it's it's a website that you use to actually uh, to put in uh, like YouTube movies or whatever to do uh, subtitles. But it can also do transcriptions. Cost you $1 per minute. Wow. And it's really, really high quality, properly checked. Uh, the one thing you have to be careful with is that when you talk, you use, um, how do you say, talking language. Well, when you write, you, you would phrase things differently. But from a production point of view, sure. I, I am going like 10,000 miles an hour suddenly because I can just keep talking and talking and talking and, uh, and switch. Mm. And then I delete and I go back and then basically I get to editing mode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, well, they, they, they also say that when you're writing articles, even business articles, that they should be in a more conversational style because people find that more engaging. They find that easier to read. Quite often when we start to write, we write in quite a stilted, formal style. 
and you <clears> need it to be more formal within business than if you were writing for a blog I don't know about some sort of hobby but it does need to be quite conversational and I think that that will hold your audience better so you're probably right it probably can work quite well I've not done that and I've you know, recently I've written a book myself. Um, but maybe for the next book, if I write another book, perhaps I'll try it. I'll try an article first and see how it comes out. Yeah. I'll, I'll send yeah. you the results. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. Once I get through my first chapter, I'll send it to you, Mark. Then you can gladly ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll read it. I'll tell you. I'll give you some honest feedback. Well, we, we are at 35 minutes. We've run over a little bit today, which um, that's good. It flowed nicely for us then. Um, <clears throat> this is the Bossit Podcast. Um, again, please give us um, feedback, um, share, or recommend to friends. We'll always be um, happy to hear that. And until next week, thank you very much. Thanks for your contribution, Michael. And Thanks, um, we'll meet up again next week. Catch you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.